Gunnesty, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. We're breathing life back into Irish myth with traditional Irish storytelling accompanied by music. My name is Aaron and this week we have the story of the taking of Biddy Purcell told by my sister Surika, the other co-founder of Candlelit Tales. Now, this is Sown, Irish for November of course, and we're leaning into folk tales. So stay tuned as we release more stories every week, more this month than ever before. And it's our birthday so we'll be doing something very well special at the end of the month so stay tuned to that and of course we couldn't be able to continue these podcasts without the support of our patrons which we're very very grateful for so thank you thank you so much and if you'd like to contribute you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales or like share subscribe leave a review if you like what we do it all makes a difference you've heard it before thanks very much sit back listen to this week's story hey Sarika, take it away The Taking of Biddy Purcell Tales of changelings are often tales of infants stolen away under the careful eye of their caretakers. But it's not always the young that the good folk have an eye on. Anyone of any age, but particularly the exceptional can catch their eye. Peggy Purcell thought herself the luckiest girl in the world. Not because her family was wealthy, they were not. Not because she herself was in any way exceptional, she was not. But because of her big sister, Biddy Purcell who, in her younger sister's eyes, was the brightest, the cleverest, the kindest and the fairest girl in seven parishes. Never mind that Peggy had never been to seven parishes, nor indeed very far outside of her own. One morning, when the summer was coming to an end, All the girls in the parish went to gather bog rushes under the shadow of the old castle after hearing mass. The girls were all in high spirits for the weather was still holding fair and they'd been confined to mass for the morning and now were at liberty and they went tripping lightly through the Carrig Gate on their way to gather their rushes under the last of the sunlight of the year. On their way through the Carrick Gate, a strange little child darted out, and with a little switch that was in its hand, smacked Biddy Purcell between the shoulder blades. Biddy cried out, as if she'd been struck a terrible blow. Ah! I feel like a dart has gone through me, through my heart and out the front. Peggy, hearing this, laughed thinking her sister was making a joke. The other girls laughed as well, and Biddy... Biddy laughed along. Peggy could see her face was looking a little pale. Still, she did not think much of it. Indeed, she forgot it almost instantly, for the day was fair and she was among friends. The girls scattered in little clumps of twos and threes all throughout the bog, 
to cut their rushes, to bring them home, to strew on the floor, to keep the houses sweet-smelling. Biddy went off on her own to one corner of the bog, and Peggy did not see her for some time, until it was about time for her to gather her rushes up, tie them in her apron, and make her way home. And then she looked around for Biddy, and she saw her in a corner by herself, with a great pile of rushes amassed by her feet, talking to a strange old woman who Peggy had never seen before. Peggy turned aside to talk to a friend and she turned back hearing Biddy cry out. The old woman was gone, but Biddy was crying for the pain in her knees. Seeing her sister's distress, Peggy led Biddy back home, but with every step they took she seemed to get worse and worse, crying out at the pain between her shoulder blades, the pain that went through her heart like a dart, crying out at the pain in her knees, crying out at the pain in her face, until finally they came home and Peggy hoped their mother could bring Biddy some relief. But when the mother tried to get Biddy to sit down, the girl screamed in agony. She could not bend her knees. And when the mother tried to get Biddy to lie down, she screamed the louder for the pain between her shoulder blades, the pain that darted through her heart. It would not let her lie down. It would not let her rest. And so Mrs. Purcell had to put her eldest daughter standing in agony in a corner of the room crying and wailing at first she cried so loudly her tears and her screams and her screeches could be heard for miles but as the evening wore on into night her cries faded down to an exhausted sobbing and in the morning After fitful sleep, Peggy woke to see her sister still standing with tears running down her cheeks. The family did not know what to do. They had no money to call for a doctor. They had no idea what affliction was on their daughter and they had no idea how to cure it. And so they waited a day and a night to see if she would get better on her own. But she did not. Nothing changed. And Biddy did not speak a word. The next day, on the Tuesday, Mrs. Purcell sat down with Peggy and asked her to rack her brains and think. Was there anything strange in the last few days before Biddy took sick? Could she think of anything at all that had happened? Anything that might explain what was going on now? Peggy racked her brains. And it was then that she remembered the strange little child at the carriage gate that none of the girls recognised that had darted out and struck her sister and struck her just where the pain was worst. 
But as to the pain in her sister's knees and her strange silence, Peggy could not account for that. That night, Peggy heard her parents talk in low voices long into the night, arguing back and forth. She did not know what they argued about. It was clear that the subject of their argument was her sister, still standing in the corner, unable to sit and rest, unable to lie and sleep, but standing there like a ghost already, staring at them all with reddened eyes and saying nothing. The next day, after her father had left to go to work in the fields, Peggy's mother called her over, pressed a handkerchief into her hands with the few coins that the family had and told her daughter to go as quick as she could. She told her the route to take, the path, not into town but into the wilderness, to count until she'd passed seven hills and seven stiles and to find the bottom of a narrow valley, a little shack standing alone and to knock on the door and to ask the man there if he could help He was a wise man, her mother said, and if anyone could help Biddy, it was he. And so Peggy Purcell set out on her journey, and it was farther than she had ever been before. She walked until her bare feet were blistered and raw, and then she walked more, till the sun was high in the sky, until it sank down to dusk again, until at last she found the little shack in the lonely little valley where the wise man lived. She brought to him her mother's offering of coin and the story of her sister. And the old man looked at her and asked her, Are you sure that's all that happened? That a little child ran out and struck your sister? And Peggy said yes. She'd seen nothing else strange that day on the bog. Nothing at all. The old man scratched his chin and said, Well, that'd be enough for them to mark her, but not enough for them to take her, unless there's more you didn't see. And he pulled out from his rafters strange herbs that Peggy had never seen before. Bright green they were. And he handed them to the girl and he said, Boil these in water over a fire and give your sister the water to drink. And as she was going out the door, he called after her again. He said, Wait now. I tell you, it's not likely, but you should know These herbs will bring your sister back if they stay green in the pot. But if they go yellow, even a tinge, your sister is lost and the good folk in the old castle, they have her. Peggy took the little package of herbs and ran as fast as she could 
along the dark road. But Peggy was not used to being out at night. She could not find her way. She had to stop and sleep in a ditch as the night grew darker and colder around her. She heard screech owls and night birds coming out and she feared what else might be abroad in the darkness. And so she waited, shivering for the dawn and then limped her way home on her bruised and blistered feet, clutching in her hand the little package of green herbs. When she came home, the rest of the family had gathered around. Her father's sisters and brothers, her mother's people as well had come, all to see if any of them knew something they could do for Biddy. But none did, none could say. Peggy presented her wilted bundle of green herbs and told them what the wise man had said. And her mother put a pot of water on the fire to boil. And they cast the herbs in. All of them gathered around to look. And all of them sighed in dismay. The green herbs went yellow as gold. Peggy's mother insisted on giving Biddy the drink anyway. It might do some good still. It might bring her out of what ailed her. But Peggy knew by this sign that her sister was taken by the good people. And indeed she doubted if the creature in the corner was Biddy at all, or some changeling sent back in her guise. Still, Biddy, or the thing that looked like Biddy, drank down the draught of herbs, complaining of its bitterness. And then, for the first time since that Sunday, she spoke. What happened last Sunday, Cree? said their mother. What happened to you to afflict you so? Well, said Biddy Purcell, when we were coming in the carry gate, a fairy child leapt out and struck me through the heart, and so was I marked. And then I wandered away from the others to gather my rushes. And an old woman of the good people came over to speak to me. She asked me for my rushes, just as I was ready to gather them up and come back home. And I told her no. It was a grand big bog and plenty of rushes for her to gather for herself. And she took the whip that she was holding in her hand and she struck me once in the face and once across the knees and so I was doomed and now I see them the host of the fairies under the old castle I saw them then and I see them now they ride around a mounted host and behind every fairy lord and every fairy lady there is a human girl holding tight to them around the waist, except for one. There is one rider, and there is no girl in the saddle behind him, and I see him now 
and he watches me with burning eyes. And he will come for me. At noon on Friday, he will come for me. And I will go with him. And I will be under the hill, under the old castle, for eternity. And she smiled then at her mother and her sister and her family gathered about. And there was a special smile for Peggy in there. And Biddy Parcell said, And there is nothing you can do. Nothing any of you can do. Prayers were said over Biddy Purcell. The whole family gathered, chanting decades of the rosary and psalms. All through the night, until cocks crow the following morning. But Biddy did not say another word did not stir from where she stood, still standing after five days of this terrible sickness in which she had never sat and never lain down. And at noon that day, the fifth day since she had been taken sick, the Friday, Biddy Purcell fell. Biddy Purcell died. But her younger sister, Peggy, did not mourn. Not then. Not at the funeral. Not later, at her graveside. Peggy was sure. Her sister was not dead at all, but taken. The thing that had spoken to them That long five days, the thing that had worn Biddy Purcell's face and spoken with Biddy Purcell's voice, that had not been her sister. Her sister was not dead, but under hill. All the rest of her long life, when Peggy told the story of how her sister was taken by the good folk, she would end it by saying this. There are those who are wise, who say that those taken by the good people return. There are those that are wise, who say those taken do never return. And I am not wise, and so I don't know how it's going to come out. But I'm waiting for my sister still. There you go, guys. A creepy take on another folk tale told by Surika. We're researching more folk tales than we have before. Usually we focus on myth, but hey, this is the month for folk tales. And we have a birthday special coming soon, so stay tuned. Uh, this podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan. The story was by Surika this week, and the music by Oshin Ryan as ever. Now you can find out more details on our website by going to candletales.ie. Do follow us on the old socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Candlelit Tales. For more videos and live stream, you can like and subscribe to Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist. Hashtag Candlelittle Tales. Go ahead there and subscribe to the YouTube channel, will you? It'd actually make a lot of a difference. I can just 
stop for a moment. I know, you know the story. Anyway, like him, subscribing to our channel really helps us grow and get to more people. So if you'd like to help us out with a bit more direct support, you can throw us a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales or make a one time donation through the PayPal button on our website. So we'll be talking about these stories at the end of the month. So our live streams will be coming back pretty soon. Uh, but stay tuned for our birthday special. We're six years old, so that's it's six. What? We've been doing Candle Tales for six years. That's mad. Sound is lovely. We hope you're keeping safe, keeping happy, keeping solid in these strange and uncertain times. We'll love to chat to you soon and uh, stay tuned for more stories. <laughs> you.